Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from international speaker, best-selling author, and spoken word artist, Hosanna Wong, as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you will hear about how Hosanna has used spoken word poetry to share the gospel. She also shares her heart behind her new book, You Are More Than You've Been Told, and how she wrote down the book she needed seven years ago when she walked through a season of lost identity. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, I am just going to like jump in here because I just want to soak up every nugget of wisdom that you have. But Hosanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It is just an honor to have you here. And I just got to hear you a little bit um, at the apps for dinner that we're doing at the Thrive Conference and just love everything that you are sharing. And I am excited to hear more about your book because honestly, this, you are more than you've been told. I've heard you speak on a couple of podcasts while you're promoting it, and I already love everything about it. I mean, just speaking as someone who has had so many things spoken over them in their life that I've had to actively like rebuke and work through, it's like I get it. And just seeing people who are so hurt by things that they've been told in their life. um, I just think this is such an important message. And I'm so thankful that you are teaching it and talking about it. So before we jump in more, could you just introduce yourself a little bit? Who are you? Hey, everyone. (laughs) I'm Hosanna. Um, I'm originally from San Francisco. Uh, My dad was a a heroin addict who fought in a Chinese gang and someone introduced him to Jesus and Jesus changed his whole life. And he planted an outreach to those living without homes and battling with addictions on the streets of San Francisco. And that's how I grew up. People brought their alcohol bottles and their needles to our church services. We had church services two to three days a week. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learned church. Mm -hmm. I learned later in life when other people said they were also raised in church. We weren't talking about the exact same thing, but that's where (laughs) I learned that Jesus could save anyone's soul and redeem anyone's story and would use anyone who would say yes. And so that's my background. And I started sharing about Jesus through spoken word poetry with all my friends on the streets because mm-hmm. all my friends spoke in the language of spoken word poetry. So it first became a way for me to just share the gospel with my friends. And then I kept using spoken word as a way to share the gospel with just more friends. Mm-hmm. And 13 years ago, packed my life in suitcases and traveled around the country to talk about Jesus through spoken word in prisons, recovery ministries, conferences, churches, and for four and a half years, didn't have a home base. Mm-hmm. I lived in guest rooms and cots and living mm-hmm. rooms and hotel rooms all over the country. Um, and God just changed my life. You know, I had a really hard heart towards the church, had been deeply wounded within Jesus following communities and more than what God was calling me to do. I I see now like who he was calling me to become Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not just what he wanted from me, but what he wanted for me. It really did heal my heart being with all these different churches, living with all these families, pastors and their kids and, um, you know, these women that became like mothers to me and these men that became like fathers to me and across denominations, across state lines, across cultures, being with their small groups, getting real about what I was actually going through and not being met with condemnation or shame, but feeling welcome into the family of Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. I started to see the beauty of the church, what the church could be Mm -hmm. and that I could be a part of creating the community I longed for. And so the Lord's really done like a healing work in my life with my lens of the church. Mm -hmm. And then now 
you know, 13 years after saying yes to that, I still get to share the gospel through spoken word poetry. But now I talk sometimes longer. I teach now. So it's, it's like spoken word poetry, but it's like less rhyming, Very less screaming, long, yeah. some rhyming and some screaming, but less. And now I get to share the gospel through, you know, writing books and through teaching and discipling and coaching. But it, it still is just whatever reaches my friends, mm -hmm. what the original method was all those years ago is still um, my passion today. God, how can I share about you in today's world? Mm -hmm. um, what's the language everyone is speaking? How can I share the gospel in a way that people understand? Um, and so that's a little bit about me. I don't know. If you want to my hobbies, I love Marvel movies. Same. Absolutely same. I, I have yep. a lot of plants. Those are those are kind of two. Me and my husband <laughs> love watching sports. Those are my three big hobbies. Well, I have to tell you. So your husband's name is Guy. Yeah. So the first time I heard you on a podcast. So I don't remember what the context of, but the podcast host was talking to you and just kept saying like, your husband Guy and I forgot I thought that she forgot your husband's name and was oh, just referring him so to Guy. rude have you heard this before no Has anyone ever like, no never me? and I was literally like cringing inside and I'm like she's just calling this her husband Guy how like, rude this so podcaster <laughs> no was, like, that is so and funny you said like my husband Guy and I was like oh like it all made sense okay. I absolutely love it I've never heard that but <laughs> I, I did teach once at a church where someone thought I was being disrespectful because I was like, oh, and then my husband guy said this, la, la, la. And someone was like, you know, I, you know, I, and they were kind and gracious, but they had a note for me that how I spoke about my husband. Oh my gosh, how and awkward for them. <laughs> I, no, I, I was mortified because here I am. Oh. And I thought, I said, my husband's name is Guy. And they go, oh, you never said that. And I thought, and it was oh. a great note for me oh, to say like, okay. my husband's okay. name is Guy. So now sometimes I have to clarify, like my husband's name is Guy. guy. I don't just I'm not being disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my fault. This is his mother's fault. So yeah. Sue Johnson, you know what you did. Um, no, it was a good note to know like people don't know you, bring them yeah. in in the whole story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my husband's name is Guy. I, just, I love it. I was like, when I meet her, I have to tell her. You that. No, that is so funny. It was so, I was just mortified. And then I realized <laughs> what amazing. was happening. So, but you have a new book yeah. that is out. And I would just love to hear, you know, what is your book about and where did it come from? You know, what is the heart behind this book? And what are you really just praying over that people take away from it? I know that was like a five-part question. No, I love I it. I believe you can do no, it. No, I yeah. love it. My new book is called You Are More Than You've Been Told. And my heart behind it is because, well, I wrote it because I'm patient X for the message and for the solution that the book offers. I've gone most of my life trying to figure out who I am and how should I live. And I know I'm not alone. Many of us struggle with our identity, our value, our worth. Mm -hmm. We've been told we're unworthy, we're not enough, we're unwanted, we're unseen. And what you think about yourself determines how you live. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think you're unworthy, if you think you're a failure, if you think you're a burden to be loved, you'll start living like you are. Mm -hmm. And the enemy of our souls knows this. So he is on this whole mission to make sure we don't find out the truth about ourselves. He knows if we discovered how loved we were by God, how chosen we were by God, how safe we are in the hands of God, then we would start living like we are. Mm -hmm. And children of God, knowing who we really are and living as who we've been created to be is the enemy's greatest threat. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone else has ever felt like they've struggled with knowing who they are and how to live, 
you're not crazy. No, you're not alone. <laughs> You've been told lies your whole life. Mm-hmm. You are not out of your mind. You are in the middle of an age old war. Everything in your life, the enemy has been fighting against you knowing who you are from the beginning of time. And so for me, um, this book came out of a season when I lost who I was and I was already following Jesus. I had already had many identity crises and overcome much and had a lot of healing in my life. I have a thriving ministry. I have a healthy marriage. I have friends. I have community. And yet I lost who I was and I realized that there were some wounds that still had never been healed. I was still putting too much weight on the opinions of other people, living for people's expectations or opinions. And I just came to a place where I thought, I have to know who I really am and how to live like it every single day. Mm -hmm. And this needs to become simple and practical. I love when our hopes are high and our hands are raised, but more than anything, I'm a hands-on kind of girl. And I thought I need terms like identity in Christ to become very practical. I need terms like abide in Christ to know who you are to become very practical. So seven years ago, I had this identity crisis and went on a journey to discover how in my real everyday modern life, I can know who I am and live like it even if people don't change their opinions about me, Mm. even if people don't agree with what I'm called to do, even if people don't like me, even if my life doesn't turn out the way that I hoped, how can I still know who I really am every single day? And so that was what birthed um, the message of you are more than you've been told, losing myself seven years ago, and then getting my life back Mm. um, is what inspired it. And a few years ago, I felt like God called me to write it all down. And I said, no, (laughs) Um, because up until this book, I've been a pretty private person about my personal life as well as my family's life and my marriage, not for any reason other than they all have to be on board for me to share all of this. Um, They were not all called to -hmm. such a public ministry. So Mm -hmm. there were so many things where I thought I'll never be called to share this much because luckily no one else in my family wants me to. And then as I felt God say, I want you to write down how you reclaimed your life. I want you to go back to that identity message. I want you to say it. I was like, no, you know, I don't want to go back to those old wounds. I don't want to write it down. And I know the people in my life Mm. won't sign on. Um, And I was wrong. And even as I told my husband what I wanted to put in the book, he said, write it. And even as I told my family, I think now's the time. They're like, it is. And so I wrote down the book I needed seven years ago. The book is divided into three sections. The problem the plan, and the peace, Mm. the problem, why we struggle with knowing who we are, the plan, a practical way to actually have rhythms in your life to know who you are and live like it, and then the peace that comes from knowing who you are. Even if your circumstances change, there's a way to have an inward peace in the middle of outward chaos. And so I really wrote the the toolbox um, that I needed that I know will help people who need this to be practical. Um, for identity in Christ and abiding in Christ to be made real in our real lives. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you speak to the 
practicality of it because you said this before, you know, in the Bible, you, you, the Bible says you find our identity in Christ, right? You yeah. know, that's what when we're like, hey, well, what does that mean? What does like, that well, mean? You know, you say that, like, yeah. how do I actually do that? And yeah. There's so many, you know, strategically minded people such as myself. Like, can you give me a list of yes. what to do? Like, I am what do great I do? at following directions. Yeah, like, if you would just give me, me steps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. And so I, I heard you say this on Susie Larson's podcast, actually, and it was talking about how you want to follow Jesus. You want to follow the way Jesus did things. And um, what did Jesus do in his private life to mm-hmm. have the public ministry that he does? And I I can't get that out of my head. I, mm. I absolutely love that because how often do we focus on the miracles that Jesus did mm-hmm. and the, like the public forum and yeah. all of these things, but we totally miss the days where he wandered when he was by himself and yep. prayer and rest. And 100%. we completely miss that piece. And so would you mind just sharing a little bit of what you have learned in your study of what Jesus did and the rhythms that you talked about? 100%. Well, this is why this is so important. So my husband and I just celebrated our nine-year wedding anniversary, Mm -hmm. and my husband just wanted to make you know, so many celebrations um, about it. We went to the church that we met at. I mm-hmm. taught there over a weekend and then he made a whole date out of it. We went to, it was in Las Vegas. So my husband and I met at a church in Las Vegas. He worked there. I was, uh, he was a pastor there. I was brought in to teach. And t- two years later, we got married. <laughs> that's the abridged version. Um, quick, and quick so, story. Yeah, but so I went story. back, I teach there once or twice a year. They're still our family. And I teach it once or twice a year. He made a date out of it that while I was teaching that weekend, we went to Cirque du Soleil, which is, if you've never heard of it or seen pictures of it, Google it. It's like an acrobatic athletic experience. (laughs) People are flying in the air from one like ship to another ship. And then they're diving into the stage and you think they're going to crack open their head, but the stage opens and it's water and they're doing this while wearing glitter. Like it's incredible. (laughs) So it's really an experience. Anyways, my husband and I went to this and whether it was pure ignorance or pure bliss, after we walked out of the show, I said, I want to do that. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, do you think I could do that? And he said, well, because he wants a happy life. He wants a happy wife. He looked at me and he said, yes, I think you could do that. And then I took it one step further and I said, do you think I could do that right now? And he looked at me and quickly responded, no. (laughs) And he said this to me. He said, you would have to train. You would have to practice. They weren't able to do all that because they tried really hard in a moment. Mm. They have a whole lifestyle that prepares them for that moment. And he said to me, the only reason why you were able to see them do that in public is because of the lifestyle they live in private. And this is the same when it comes to following Jesus. We might say we want to follow Jesus, but sometimes we dismiss the lifestyle that Jesus lived, the ways he called us to live. When Jesus said, come and follow me, and then his apprentices, his disciples would literally see how Jesus lived and follow the ways that he lived, his rhythms, his patterns, how he had relationships, how he planned his week, how he had boundaries. What did Jesus do? We, if we want to know who we are and how to live, then we want to take examples from the man himself. Mm-hmm. How did Jesus know who he was and live like it every single day? Mm-hmm. It turns out that the lifestyle Jesus lived in private is what helped him do what he was called to do in public. And often our pushback to that might be, well, Jesus was God. Mm. Jesus already knew who he was. That's mm. not the same. Um, and Jesus was fully God. 
And the Word of God says He was also fully man. He came as a baby like we did. He came like all of us didn't know anything. And He had to grow up and learn how to talk, how to forgive, how to have relationships. And God thought it was important that we saw how a human He was fully God and fully man, made himself human because God thought it was important that we would see how a human could be tempted like we're tempted, mourn like we mourn, have people turn their backs on us. Mm. Um, Jesus had people that turn their backs on him like people turn their backs on us, reject him. Um, God thought it was important that there was Jesus would go through what we would went through and still show us how we can know who we are and live like every single day. Have you heard of the BTG Leadership Conference? Bridging the Gap believes every woman is a potential leader, and we have designed this conference to invest in your leadership development. Whether you are an experienced marketplace, ministry, or community leader who is wanting to continue to grow, or you would like to begin developing skills and networks as a future leader, this almost 24-hour event is for you. Mark your calendar for February 9th and 10th, 2024 at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. We'll have main sessions with speaker, pastor, podcast host and writer Portia Allen and Waters Worship, multiple workshops, story time with Pamela Steinley, networking opportunities, exhibitors, and fun, all to encourage your leadership potential. In addition to our regular cozy up north activities, we're adding a horse-drawn wagon shuttle to the bridge shop. We'll also have the breakfast buzz, bingo, and you can get your headshot updated by a photographer. It's going to be a power-packed, fabulous event that you and your team won't want to miss. This year, you can also extend your stay by adding Thursday and or Saturday night lodging onto your ticket. This opportunity allows for more time for reflection and strategizing with your team or simply for extra rest. Register individually or as a group at mnbtg.org slash leadership. That's mnbtg.org slash leadership. We'll see you there. So I've done an in-depth study, which is the second part of the book, The Plan, an in-depth study of the lifestyle of Jesus, what you mentioned, how did Jesus live his life? And there's, I can say many things about the ways Jesus lived his life, but here's just four rhythms that Jesus had in private to help him know who he was and live like it in public when people were praising him and when people were rejecting him. And we can do these things too. So one was a rhythm of scripture. There's a story of Jesus as a teenager on a road trip with his family, and he goes out of his way off the path everyone else is on, even a good path that everyone else was on, to go out of his way to be in the temple where the scrolls were, what was originally written of the Bible at that time. And the Word of God says that he was in the temple reading the scrolls, talking to religious leaders, asking them questions. And listening to their answers, Jesus went out of his way to be around the word of God and around other people who knew the word of God. And Jesus gave us a rhythm, an example of how we might have to go out of our way to know what God says about us. We can no longer keep saying we feel disconnected from God, but oh, it's because I have no time Mm. to read the word of God. We might have to go out of our way to know what God says about us, um, to, to, to follow the rhythm that Jesus had, to engage in God's words. And you might need a new way, a fresh way to engage with God's words, a way that works with your schedule and your lifestyle, um, a translation that you can understand better, a reading plan that is engaging. Do it in community. Listen to an audible, whatever it is. But we will not know who we are if we do not know what our creator says about us. So we need to follow the rhythm of Jesus, a rhythm of scripture. The second is a rhythm of prayer. Jesus had a rhythm of going out of his way to 
have conversations with God. There's stories of Jesus having days of healing people. And then all these people would have all these ideas of where he should go to next and what he should do with his time and what city he should go to next. And Jesus would go out of his way to spend alone time with God. So he was not led by the opinions of people, but he would go to the city God put on his heart to go to next. I love those stories because I love stories of Jesus disappointing people. <laughs> My whole life, people said, WWJD, you know, be like Jesus. And I thought, finally, I have done it. I'm disappointing people <laughs> disappoint left and right. <laughs> but Jesus also was like, I can't please everybody. Mm -hmm. So what will I do? Mm -hmm. I will go alone to be with God. And wherever he tells me to go is where I'll go. A rhythm of prayer, three practical ways you can do that is solitude. Find time to go out of your way to be alone with God and alone with your thoughts. Some of us don't know what we feel because we haven't even been alone with our thoughts in some time. Um, science and the word of God agree that some time alone in talking to God would be good for your mind and your body and your soul. Um, second would be specific prayers. Some of us have talked to God for so long that we're really good at casual conversations with him. We're talking to him at the grocery store. We're talking to him in our, in our car. But some of us have not spent sp time allotted for specific prayers, praying specifically for asking God for healing over that one wound you have because someone in your family said something to you really painful and mean years ago, praying specifically for healing in your marriage because of that one fight that you had, praying specifically for that one person in your life who you know is really sick. Some of us um, are still holding on to wounds and have become comfortable mm -hmm. with them because we have not even handed them over to God or acknowledge them. So a rhythm of specific prayers. I talk a lot in my book about specific prayers because there's been healing in my life over situations I thought could never be healed once I started journaling out some specific prayers. Mm -hmm. And the third is saying thanks. Um, a rhythm of in your life of having time where you're just thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Remembrance and gratitude. Scientists and psycholo uh, psychologists and sociologists agree that gratitude um, strengthens your relationships with people. Mm -hmm. So in your marriage, express gratitude. In your group of friends, express gr gratitude. How much more so would your relationship with God be strengthened if you had a rhythm of expressing gratitude? Jesus yeah. exemplifies all of those. Mm -hmm. The third is a rhythm of rest. Jesus showed us a rhythm of going out of our way to make sure that we were resting. He does it alone. He does it with a couple groups of friends, small groups and larger groups of friends. But God knew that throughout our lives, some of us would start to believe the lie that we are what we do or that we have to do more, mm -hmm. hustle harder, achieve more to prove our value or prove our worth. So God commanded a rhythm of rest. And then Jesus exemplified a rhythm of rest. Mm -hmm. He practiced Sabbath, 24 hours of stopping, delighting, worshiping, resting. But Jesus also said, don't worship it. Don't mm -hmm. worship the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, but he did live a life of planning for it. And so through the rhythms of Jesus, we see a rhythm of that he wanted to show all of us that we would Make sure we knew that we were already loved before we do one thing. And Sabbath as a rhythm, rest as a rhythm will help us. It also is an act of resistance against a culture that wants to make us defined by what we do. Yeah. No wonder God commanded it and Jesus yeah. exemplified it. Yeah. They know how we can best live. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth is a rhythm of real community which I break down into two practical ways because I don't just mean real community as a concept that none of us feel is possible in our real lives. I mean, actually, practically, you can find real community not in some 
Disney Channel version of community that you might have seen once. But in the way that Jesus actually talked about it, in the way where you're getting real with someone trusted and they can get real with you because you're trusted and God is glorified through your real life and two practical ways is through confession and celebration, getting real about what you're really going through and celebration, celebrating what God has already done and is currently doing. And honestly, I would say out of these in my life right now, these rhythms of Jesus, rest and celebration were two things that for a really long time I did not um I did not honor as commands of God. Mm-hmm. I did not see mm-hmm. my resistance to rest as disobedience. Mm-hmm. And I did not see my resistance to celebration as disobedience. God commands celebration and Jesus exemplifies it. It's mm-hmm. all throughout the Old and New Testament. And yet the American church, we have not done a great job at honoring this spiritual discipline or putting an emphasis on this spiritual discipline as much as we have on many of the other spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Maybe we think God doesn't want us to have fun or joy, mm-hmm. but actually it is the discipline of celebration that brings life enjoy into all of the other ones. It was what makes following Jesus very different from following many other good teachers. And this joy was something that I had really dismissed. And so after I did this, you know, study and realized I needed to reclaim at one point, I need. I realized that I needed to reclaim my life by reclaiming my structure. I needed to fight for my life by fighting for my calendar. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at my month, and anyone listening can do this too. If you're here today and you're thinking, I want to know who I am and how to live like it. I want to live like Jesus lived. I want to follow the lifestyle of Jesus. Where do I start? Here's some things I would say. Your relationship with Jesus does not have to look like anyone else's relationship with Jesus. It just has to be real and honest and ongoing. A real one-on-one conversational relationship is what Jesus wants to have with you. So take off the expectation or the pressure of it looking like your mom's or your pastor's or how yours looked like 15 years ago. Look at your month, your real life. Not the pace you had three years ago or the pace you hope to have next year with the ideal job and the ideal hours and your kids in the ideal grade. But if God wants to have a real relationship with you right now in your real life, look at your month and think, how can I fight to spend time with the one who knows me best? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can I schedule time to make sure I'm actually following Jesus, Mm -hmm. not in a hypothetical way, Mm -hmm. but in an actual way? How am I going to spend time in God's word? How am I going to spend time praying? How am I going to spend time resting? How am I going to spend time in real community? And week by week, schedule those times so that you do not grow disconnected. If we do not fight to spend real time with God, if we don't fight to follow the rhythms of Jesus, eventually we'll find ourselves in the place I was seven years ago. You will find yourself disconnected from God, disconnected from yourself. Then when circumstances are difficult or people's opinions are painful, you won't know what to do because you won't know who you are. And then mm-hmm. you'll be exhausted and drained and overwhelmed, but you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You will know more of who you really are when you spend real time with the one who knows you best. And the fight for your life might be the fight for your structure. Mm-hmm. So for me, practically, My husband and I don't have the same job and we don't have the same rhythms and we don't have the same weeks. Not all months are created equal. So at the beginning of the month, we typically go out on a date. Sometimes it's very casual. Sometimes we'll try to treat ourselves, but we spend time together looking at our month and we say, all right, 
when are we going to rest together? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this weekend I'm traveling mm -hmm. during the week. So our Sabbath is this day is a Friday. Well, this weekend I'm traveling on during the weekend. Well, our Sabbath this week is a Monday. Well, this week, that's what we do together. And then individually, I'm finding the time allotted for specific prayers, for saying things, the time allotted for engaging with God's word, the time allotted for celebration and community. If you were to look at my life structure for this month, it does not look like it did January of this year mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or what it will look like July of next year. But based on the life God has given me, what he's called me to do in this season, this is my structure. You know, we're not meant to worship the structure, but we are mm -hmm. called to follow Jesus and spend time with Jesus. And if we want to live that life in public, it will depend on the life we live in private. Yeah. Oh, I just love everything. And I wish I could just bottle everything you said. <laughs> just keep it with me <laughs> all the time in my mind. But I'm really thankful that you spoke to how your rhythms right now might not be the same rhythms that you had 15 years ago. Right. And I think that's something that, you know, people who are like mega planners, mega like I have to, you know, I keep my structure. They mm -hmm. worship structure maybe in some way. Yeah. It's hard when you're like, but this always used to work. But it's like, okay, for me, I used to, I went to a Bible college. It's like Jesus 24-7. You're at hmm. college. You live there. It's chapel every day, all the time. And then it's just like, all is Jesus. It's so easy to just like keep that with you. And then you go in the real world. And then I was a social worker. I'm drained. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. My rhythm looked different. Hmm. Then I became a mom. And it looks real different. Yeah. So it's like, if I were to hold that same rhythm, like it's just not practical. Right. And then the discouragement sets in, the disappointment. It's like, well, am I just not connected with God anymore? You know, this, that, and then some. And I just really am thankful that you brought that up because you do need to just establish what does my rhythm look like now yeah. in the season that I'm in. So I love that idea of sitting every month and looking at it and not trying to be like, okay, every night at 8 p.m. we're going to pray together before we go to bed. Because mm -hmm. what if you miss it? Then right. do you just get behind and you right. just, just discourage? Right. So I think that's a really good and practical tool. But as we're wrapping up, um, I really would love for you just to share your friend's comments about the vine and the mm -hmm. tree that you talked about earlier, because I think that was incredibly powerful. So would you just close us out and share that story? Yeah, I went to discover um, how abiding in Christ could be practical. How can identity in Christ be explained to me? Like what we mentioned earlier, I, I want to find my identity in Christ, but how? I want to abide in Christ, but how? Mm -hmm. And we get this from Jesus himself. Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you, you will bear great fruit, but without me, you will accomplish nothing. This is from Jesus. So there has to be a way for it to be practically applied in my life, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how. So I called up one of my best friends who's worked in vineyards uh, most of her adult life, and she has no context of this scripture. So she's giving me her agricultural answer. And she said to me, technically all branches need to live is to be connected to the vine but they really need a trellis, a wooden structure that helps them be connected and stay connected to the vine. And she said, without a trellis, without a wooden structure, the branches will live their lives constantly weighed down. They'll carry weights they weren't meant to carry and they'll fight an uphill battle they were not meant to fight. Eventually the branches will grow apart from themselves and grow apart from the vine. Mm -hmm. And from that, I realized, you know, I've already chosen Jesus. So for me, I'm thinking I'm, I abide. <laughs> I'm connected to Jesus. Why do I feel so exhausted mm -hmm. and tired and overwhelmed and weighed down? And I realized this is why I needed to reclaim my structure. Eventually, if we don't reclaim our structure, if we don't have a, a structure in our lives, we will grow disconnected from ourselves and from the vine. 
And so this is so important for all of us. You know, there is no life in the structure. There's no life in the spiritual disciplines, in reading the Bible more, praying more, resting more, finding real community. Those alone do not save you and they do not give you life. There is no life in the structure. There's only life in the source, Jesus Christ himself. The whole point is to be connected and stay connected to Jesus himself. But the structure helps you be connected and stay connected to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what our attention will be, and it's a battle worth fighting because it is the key to unlocking who you are, is to intentionally live for Jesus, intentionally plan in your lifetime to spend time with Jesus, intentionally plan and be intentional with following Jesus without allowing legalism or guilt or shame to come back with it. Jesus also came to set you free from guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. So having a plan mm -hmm. and living in the grace when you're not able to, um, this is how you actually have a real one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. And a real relationship with Jesus is the key to unlocking who you really are. Mm -hmm. So that's my encouragement for everyone today. To reclaim your life, you might want to reclaim your structure. And the same trellis, the same structure that held you up 15 years ago may not be the same trellis or the same structure that holds you up today because perhaps you've had more growth, more flourishing. And so you might need a wider, stronger structure for what God has called you to do in this season. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's just so encouraging and just such a powerful reminder that growth is good, mm -hmm. even if that means you're growing out of something. Yeah. And it's like you need more support. You know, you need more people that are going to build you up and encourage you. And you need God. You know, yeah. you need him to be more of a center of your life and the battles that you go through and the encouragement that you go through. Yeah. It's just such a great reminder. So thank you for sharing all of this today. And where can people find your book? You can find my book on Amazon. Um, it's probably the cheapest place if you love paperback <laughs> is on Amazon. You are more than you've been told. Unlock a fresh way to live through the rhythms of Jesus. But if you love listening to things like this podcast, it's also on Audible mm -hmm. and I read it to you. Oh, so there you I go. I would love that. I mean, you've got the spoken word voice too. So I would just be sitting there loving every second of it. <laughs> so either way, my paper people, my listening people, and also you can stream my, my spoken word piece. I have a new name on Spotify, iTunes, on YouTube. If you just want seven minutes of knowing who you are share that with you know your streaming friends but um thank you so much for having me on this podcast and letting me share that with you appreciate thank you. it it was such a pleasure to have you thanks Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridge in the Gap podcast. We are honored to hear from Hosanna Wong on unlocking your identity in Christ. You can learn about Hosanna and other resources at HosannaWong.com and by following Hosanna.Wong on social media. You can also find more about Bridge in the Gap at MNBTG.org by downloading the Bridge in the Gap app through your app store or by following MNBTG on social media. We also invite you to take a moment to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridge in the Gap podcast.